Welcome, everybody, to the Everybody Counts podcast. My name is Mike Martini. Some of you might know me as Bosch Trivia Guy. And joining me today to break down Bosch Legacy is Tracy Phillips. The episode is titled Musso and Frank. It was written by Asokwe Vasquez and directed by Tanya McKiernan. So, Tracy, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. It's been a busy, exciting week with all the the Bosch activity. So, yeah, these first four episodes have just been incredible. I mean, all around. I think like last, um, the last one, you know, on three, that was a lot of setup for the rest of the season. Yes. And then I think episode four is exciting because we start to get some reveals. Um, Yeah. And so we really dig in further. And of course, one thing we didn't mention about the, the, you know, the rest of the season, a large part of that too, is the after effects of episode one and two for Maddie, for Harry, definitely part of the storyline as well. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So let's uh, get into episode four's recap and breakdown here. Where do you want to start? Anywhere in particular or just? I guess, you know, just at the beginning, we see Maddie, you know, looking out the, the windows at at Harry's house, you know, taking in that view, you know, there's thoughts going through her head and she has her suitcase. So, you know, she's, she's moving out. Uh, we, I think we flash back to where she turns her keys in at her old apartment. They're checking, you know, see if she'll get her security deposit back. And yeah, she packs up her things and her, a few more things in her bedroom, some photos and, you know, starts heading out and here comes Harry. He's been walking mm-hmm. cold train and he just, I don't know if he expected it so much. I don't know if it was so necessarily even a surprise. He just, he just doesn't want it to happen yet. You yeah. Know? So he's like so soon or, you know, something like that. And she says, you know, she, she needs to do it, that it, it's time. And she mentions that that's, you know, his place and she doesn't want to be underfoot. And he's like, no, this is your home too. You know, no matter what she says, he's going to have a reason that, you know, he thinks it'd be good for her to stay. Mm -hmm. But, and even if it's a mistake, she says it's, you know, it's her mistake to make. So I think one of the, you know, like we said, I think we've said before, there's little bits of humor throughout the series that just kind of, when you're feeling really emotional or maybe really tense Mm -hmm. or scared, a little bit of, bits of humor help you know when she walks away and harry tells coltrane yes just you and me now boy swell Mm -hmm. he uses the word swell (laughs) like (laughs) it was also just before that tour after he hugs her he's like now get the f out of here yeah yeah it's like okay it's like so you get a bittersweet moment where she's leaving again you know it's not her first time and then like you said telling coltrane that it's like it's like oh come on you know stop playing my emotions a little bit (laughs) i have to feel for him in that regard too i just don't like goodbyes in general so i I tend to avoid them or just maybe make a joke or something you know because i just want it to kind of be the goodbye portion to be you know over i don't want to keep feeling that uncomfortableness and I think we see Harry watching a clip of Lexi on TV. It's 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 older. It's like referring, I think, to ni- to nineteen twenty one. She's to twenty twenty one. Nineteen twenty one. Did they have cameras back then? Even? <laughs> yeah. How old was she? Film? <laughs> yeah. So um, hand up, hold up cue cards. <laughs> right. So yeah, he's watching some old footage. Not quite that old, but okay. some older footage. And he actually ends up meeting up with her assistant and just asking questions about Lexi. What mm-hmm. was she like? Did she have any enemies? And as I think we all expected, you know, she's like, no. If she did, it was certainly wasn't anything that they'd want to kill her over. I mean, yep. you know, he finishes talking to her and then he gets a call from Chandler and she's having trouble reaching this James Allen. Mm-hmm. David Foster had said, 
that that's you know he lied the first time he was not with his wife that, that he was with James Allen who was his dealer that he kind of fallen off the wagon again and they were doing drugs but Chandler can't reach voicemails full and not answering calls so Bosch is going to try to help her out with that too because I think what they say that Mo has like a, a booking ID or record some kind of arrest record and that maybe they can get his last known address from that oh that's right yep so he's going to try to track that down should we should we proceed with him trying to track that down or yeah let's keep going with that okay yeah so do you want to go ahead with that part yeah so Bosch tracks down the I think the last known address type mm-hmm. of thing or yeah it's uh James Allen's sister's house so he asks if uh James is around he's a private investigator he just had a few questions for him but that's where she breaks the news that they're you know that he'd just been he'd just been killed, or I can't remember if she said murdered or just. I think she said he's. She, she, I think her her words were, um, "He's dead." She said he's, he's dead. dead of an apparent can, of an overdose. Yes, they, and you can see the hurt and bosh ah, a little yeah. bit where it's it's like you know it's real. You know it's it's the empathy where it's like oh mm-hmm. you know I'm so sorry, and I mean I think we're seeing a different side of him. I well not really. I, and just a little more, to like, uh, like a little more at the surface, maybe his vulnerabilities maybe. are a little more at the surface now. I think so because I know, like, more in visible. the previous boss show, it's like when somebody said, "Oh, this person's dead" or something like that. You can, you can kind of see the inner workings a little bit more. But there was empathy there. He felt, he felt bad for the victim. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's like you really. I mean, you felt for Bosch. It's like he was hoping to get some answers from this James Allen, and, and all of a sudden, uh, well, it uh, was completely awkward too. I mean, he was totally blindsided. You know, you got to add that element as well. It's like, oh my gosh, you talk about putting your foot in your mouth or something. You know, yeah, yeah. And it's like it was a good. It was uh, not. I mean, before he find out, finds out, there wasn't any. You know, who the hell are you? What are you doing at this house? Type of thing. You know, it's like the sisters seem to be accepting that you know he's just yeah. looking for james you know it's yeah. like oh what's he done now there was no thing like that it was like you know so it wasn't an, any animos animosity yeah and she said that there was a couple of detectives that had shown up the night before to let her know what happened and they said it was an apparent overdose and bosh asked to see if the see what the names of the detectives were and she said she has a card inside so she goes in to grab the card and then Bosch calls Honey and saying, you know, call me back, you know, as soon as possible. And I hit a brick wall here, unfortunately. This is kind of, I guess this is kind of like our first big reveal in the episode. Because, you know, this is when we find out that he's dead. The last yeah. episode, he sort of disappeared. But we yep. didn't know what happened. Now we know he's yeah, dead. Yeah, left the hotel room. Left yeah. the hotel room. So do we want to go on to who those two detectives were? Or do we want to Ooh, do we wait for that? It? Ooh, do we <laughs> Is that <laughs> um yeah and then we'll go back to a spot before how about that okay. so let's do you want me you want to do the reveal or you want me to handle that one i'll i'll start it off sure okay. um because it's fun it turns out that it's pierce and vega and mm-hmm. uh, they're the two detectives that you know handled the finding uh james allen's body and I, it took me a couple, little bit of time to kind of think through, wait a minute, where, why is Pierce there? He was on the graveyard shift. He was all upset about that. Now he's back with Vega. And then, of course, you know, come on, Tracy. Bosch left the LAPD, so that opened that slot up for her. She was going to yep. partner with Bosch in West Bureau. Or, and so now that made an open spot for Pierce to come back in and, you know, makes perfect sense because they had been partners before. But I think mm-hmm. the the most 
interesting thing about this whole exchange is that they don't seem very happy to be talking to Harry. <laughs> yeah, they don't, especially when Harry walks away. Yeah. But like same old Rosh or whatever. Away. Yeah, before yeah, he walks just, away, he yeah. gets some info. <laughs> yeah, he gets some info that uh, that's the impression they gave James, James Allen's sister because it was before the autopsy. You'd think... I don't know why they give the impression of an overdose. I, mean, I know. Well, maybe um, he had, maybe he had, he had priors, maybe for mm -hmm. for drugs. Maybe he had drug paraphernalia on him. Maybe he, maybe, oh, maybe okay. he had, you know, maybe it was kind of obvious that he did drugs or had been doing drugs. But until the autopsy, they, you know, because sometimes you can there can seem like multiple reasons, you know, cause yeah. of death. But then yes. the, you know, the experts narrow it down to what it really was. You know, this maybe the yep. drugs was secondary or something. So, but, but not only that, like you were saying, they had not gone back and told her the real cause. I mean, I wonder what obligation they yeah. have to do for that too, you know? Part yeah, of me was kind of like, are they trying to be gentler about it or something? Well, you think that an overdose is, what is it? Not intentional, but self-inflicted? Yeah. Well, an accidental so death. Think, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, accidental death. So you'd think they'd they'd have gone back and saying, okay, we found out it was not an overdose. Here's the cause. Uh, and then ask questions, you know. Yeah. When was the last time you saw your brother? Does he, do you know any of known, not really known associates, but any known enemies? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, you know, because, I mean, they should have gone back to interview, interview the sister for sure. But then I have uh, to yeah. remember, too, I guess it just happened, probably. So maybe yes. that's. You know, I don't know exactly what the timing of the investigation is when you would do that. It's it's a little it's a little murky, I think, for us as viewers to understand. But I think the big mm -hmm. takeaway is that it was strangulation and mm -hmm. that Pearson Vega or rather like same old Bosch, whether they call him a condescending SOB or something, yep. you know. And he a is a little bit. Angel. Yeah. <laughs> he is that way a little well, bit, you know. I mean, they're not wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But at the same time, they they were burying the lead on him. Is that yeah? You know that uh, he was a male prostitute. So right. obviously, well, where's the phone? Well, that's his client list. You know, so obviously, I'm pretty sure Pearson Vega know what Bosch is telling them too. But you know, right? So yeah, you can see like, you can see both you know. sides. It's just kind of it's just kind of an odd interaction. Mm -hmm. He gets the information he needs. No, and no, we well, find out no phone was found. No phone. Yeah. So. But it's also that same where you see he's on the outside looking in. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, he's done this hundreds of times before. Right. So I just wanted to step back for a second there and sure. and bring up where uh, Mank and Bosch meet for lunch. Yeah. Where Mank's mm -hmm. dressed in a, or a Hawaiian shirt type yep. of thing. Cause when he walks into the restaurant, uh, they go, uh, doesn't Bosch say like aloha or something I think like so. That? I think so. Yeah. But, and for uh, location fans, that's Swingers and yes. they Swingers Diner, and they've used that multiple times throughout the Bosch series. And it's on Beverly and in Hollywood. And it's it's on a corner and it's pretty good. I've I've been there. They have some yes. lot of vegan options as well. So a lot of options. And I think they might be 24 hours. So it's it's definitely been known as like a late night spot. So oh, sweet. Yeah. I'll have to check that out on my next visit out there. There you go. Um, in this in this conversation, he kind of Bosch gets blindsided, you know. Again, about, again, <laughs> so he gets blindsided again. You know, um, Mank brings up the the bracelet caper that Maddie had solved, and Bosch is like bracelet, you know, type of thing. And Mank's like, "Oh, she didn't tell you? Well, we both we both been busy." And he's trying to cover, but at the same time, it's like you see it probably just kind of went over a little bit. Mank's head. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then then he then make Mank drops the real bomb. Oh, we didn't talk about that yet. We can go. We? we can go back. I mean, we can say it here, okay. and then we can we can say, say that it happened. Back. Okay, so Grant Mank drops the big bomb was that that Maddie had uh, had an opportunity to impress some people with that bracelet caper and landed a spot on CRU, which stands for the Crime Reduction Unit. And you know, Mank called Maddie tenacious, and she's like a dog with a bone, like her yeah, old man. Yeah, you know. And of course, all this was news to Bosch. He didn't know about the news either. But at Mank. Mank had said, or you know, something asked, you know, aren't you proud? Right. And he's like, oh yeah, absolutely. But you can tell, you know, that inner, he that had inner to, brain working. He had to act quickly and and play along with, well, yeah, of course I am. You know, like he had to act like he knew it. Yep. And he's just finding out. But of course, we did find out earlier in the episode, which was yep. a fun little scene because she thinks she's in trouble yep. when <laughs> exactly. uh, Raina says, "Can you come see the sergeant?" You know, and she's just kind of talking seriously and she's like am i in trouble and she's like well, maybe if you don't get in here and it's just kind of fun little setup you know and then he offers her the job and like anyone probably would do she's like can i think about it you know and then that's funny yeah. because you know reina had told him that you know she would just be you know chomping at the bit ready to go you know and then of course she's like well yes yeah I- i'll take it you know i'm ready <laughs> You know, yep. it's like because Maddie has shown a lot of confidence, should have confidence with you know, in her job, obviously through that whole ordeal. You know, she did impress them with the bracelet solving that thing. But it was just kind of funny seeing her kind of not unnerved in a bad way, but just kind of like giddy and excited and caught off her game, you know, mm-hmm. almost like a little kid. It was kind of fun seeing her like that. But yeah, she she snagged a spot in crew. Yep. Good for her. Well, it was also how she looked going to the office. It's like yeah. that office, the sergeant's room or whatever. Because yeah. it's like it looked like a the the assistant principal leading a student to the principal's office. You're right. That's a good comparison. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so it was a funny, but or you know, uh, not really tense. I mean, you kind of, oh, why does the sergeant want to see her? Did she mess up something on the bracelet caper? I mean, maybe this is, we didn't get any, find out any feedback on the, um, on episode three where Maddie solves the caper. The lady says, well, tell the detective to drop the charges. I want my bracelet back and I'll be Mm -hmm. back tomorrow to pick it up. Mm -hmm. You know, so maybe it's just Maddie being in trouble because yeah, she solved the case, but she didn't get the, the woman on board for having a case on it. So it's like, well, listen, a couple different things could happen there. You have to remember she's a Bosch. She could be in trouble for many things. They're always getting in yeah. trouble for stuff. So, you know, <laughs> that's probably always in the back of their mind. You know, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? <laughs> yeah. But of course, um, if it was here, he'd be like, nah, whatever. <laughs> just, but Maddie, but, you could see it on her face. She's like, you know, doom is just written all over yeah. her face. A He's a little concerned about it. But yeah, there's a lot yeah. of different things going on this day. Because also we see Honey at her therapist visiting with her therapist yes. again. And she brings up the situation at the meditation the other night where the guy was kind of flirting with her. And it, you know, again, it just seemed to make her uncomfortable. And she just, she basically tells him she just doesn't want to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Um, She also talks a little bit about her new client, which is not new to her. She talks about the history she had with David Foster when he was 19 and a a drug charge. And she got, I think she got the charges brought down. She got him into a program and, you know, he got clean. And so she's just telling her therapist that she's really frustrated that he's fallen off the wagon again, you Mm -hmm. know, and and then he's got this murder charge against him. So she's talking through that some, but um, I, I, I think her, her therapy uh it seems to be helpful it's interesting it's good that she can be very honest in there because she got frustrated 
with the therapist, you know, even use some language and stuff. And that's perfectly her right to do, you know, that's, I think that's a good safe place for her, you know, Mm -hmm. to deal with all these different feelings and things going on. She also meets up with Mo and they are, they, it was Mo, not they, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mo accesses Matthew's phone and she's impressed by that. So now they can see any comings and goings, texts, messages, calls from yep. Matthew's phone if he's if he's talking to the feds. So that's good. And speaking of the feds, we see them meeting with Raul Araya in mm-hmm. prison. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So they uh, they meet with the oh man, it's a tough Raul Araya. Sorry, I'm just not trying to mess up his name. So <laughs> I had to do. So I was gonna go. Raul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Raul Araya. And they're playing that uh, conversation between that honey and it was Willie Dats. Willie Dats yep. and Honey's conversation from season one, mm-hmm. where Bosch was sitting in and listening to it as well. You know, at first I'm thinking to myself, how the hell do they have this recording and why are they playing it for this guy? And then Raul brings up, you know, do you have our conversation recorded and that's when the feds bring up nope it's client attorney it's privileged i'm like mm-hmm. oh that's right willie dats is not you know honey chandler isn't willie dats's attorney so those conversations are what free for all free reign apparently uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah so but uh raul araya tells them you know that uh that it was the it was all a bluff and it was yeah. all a bluff it was just a, it was just for show and it was some big Russian that took out Dats and I think he said the shower room or bathroom, but there was the day room. Hey. Yeah, I think Araya uh, thought it was shanked in the shower room, and then the feds kind of corrected him. Oh, it was a day room type of thing. And oh yeah, yeah so, that's right. It was in the yeah in the in the yeah. like the common area or something. Yeah, because yeah, he was playing checkers before. Yeah, before, that's right. That, uh, as everybody was surrounding him and creating a wall around him. Yeah, so I mean, and Araya says that, you know, that she came, to, when she came to visit Araya, after talking with Willie Dats, she was warning him that the feds would be most likely coming around too to ask him some questions. But, so he answers what they kind of needed, but once then they kind of pushed him for more information, then he's like, well, I'm no rat, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. I think they were trying to figure out who actually shanked Dats or you know, right. who was responsible for it, and. I but he's I only gave him the Russians. So that's what was explained, you know, last season. He stuck to his story. Nothing has changed. Yeah. He's saying the same, you know, information. I don't I don't know if they thought they were going to go in there and get something different, but yeah, same, same story. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have a few other things going on. Later at some point, Maddie is at Rico's place working on her victim impact statement. Rico comes home from a run. She's just struggling. She's only gotten a few words out. And, she, you know, again, she's like, why do I even, why am I doing this? She's struggling with whether she needs to or what, you know, what the benefit is. And I think she keeps, I don't know if they say it in this episode specifically, but she seems to keep struggling with that she's not on the same level of victimhood that the the other women are, you know, that, that were raped. And not that she's downplaying her ordeal, but she might be, you know, selling herself a little bit short as far as the contribution she can make to the sentencing, you know, yeah. with, with her story. But anyway, she's struggling. So trying to be a good boyfriend, he comes up with a distraction and he pulls out some pancake mix from Dupar's 
and yep. she's excited about pancakes, but she doesn't want to make them. She wants to go actually to the restaurant. So he helps her, but he doesn't help her get any more of her impact yeah, exactly. statement done. <laughs> and I think it's, I guess it's maybe later that night that they are celebrating her promotion to crew um, yep. out at, I think it's maybe Gold Diggers is the name. I don't, I don't know that place, but. Darn, you took one of my trivia questions. Oh, darn. <laughs> so yes, it was Gold Diggers. <laughs> <laughs> Just celebrating with Paulina and then Reina and Rico are there too. Mm -hmm. She also talks to Paulina a little bit about whether she'll be coming back to work. And that's still at this point up in the air. She's apparently still having a lot of pain and her mom is not keen on the idea. I think Maddie says, oh, it sounds like my dad, you know. And this is where she tells Paulina that he doesn't know. We already know that he didn't know about crew, but <laughs> she tells Paulina that she hasn't told him. So, yeah, a little bit of a, a disconnect the there. Day, though, so Bosch does know about it, but he heard it from Mank and not Maddie. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he he yep. yeah, okay, he, he didn't know. He, he, he didn't I know. He, yeah, no, that's fine. He learned from Mank. Yeah, earlier, yeah. Okay. but yeah, she had not told him, and she said he would, um, you know, freak out about it. Yeah, didn't they say? I mean, did you already say this? Uh, if it was up to them, they'd both be behind desks. Yeah, yeah, Paulina's definitely. Mom. That's what Paulina's. Yeah, she was saying Paulina's, her mom. Paulina's yeah. mom and uh, Maddie's dad both were just yeah. to be behind desks for their whole careers. I, yeah, I think uh, Paulina's mom. Paulina's mom didn't even want her to step foot in the station, so I don't even. Right. I don't even that's think right. she'd be allowed to to ride the desk. So. Mm -hmm. crazy and did you notice i don't know if you uh, i don't know how many times you watched episode four i was watching it earlier today and, and last night you notice that the subtitles are kind of a little bit off i did not but i was having some playback issues i think okay and may, but I maybe that's the same thing that. you're talking about because no, something I, <laughs> I have something funny here okay so it's in oh, the, you're scene. About the boo Kind of the boo, yes. yes. Oh, the sub, yeah, the actual uh, the the, subtitles say boo, yeah, instead of boot. boot, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is still kind of so funny like, because I you know would, it is, yeah, you call me boo, <laughs> boot, or boo, <laughs> either yeah, way, it would like, be like, don't call me boo because it's like, oh my goodness, it's kind of funny because it's like almost like they're they're calling each other boo, you know, it's like friend, girlfriend, girlfriend, because it's yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, besties, it's Vasquez <laughs> saying it's a Maddie, so it's just kind of funny. Right. You would question it either way. You Whether it was boot or boo, you would say like, did you call me boot or why'd you call me boot? And also, yeah, why'd exactly. you call me boo? <laughs> either way. Yeah, really. So I just thought that was kind of a funny that thing funny. from the subtitles thing. A subtitles angle, I should say. So, And I am lost without the subtitles. If you're not doing it, folks, ugh, it helps me so much. But It does, but at the same time, it's also hit me a couple times with the trivia stuff. So, because I go based off of the subtitles especially for like whose bosch line is it anyways stuff mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. um and i've been called out a couple times where it's like okay so the subtitles in season three robertson's talking to rudy to pharaoh mm -hmm. and i think rudy to pharaoh was saying something about bosch is a walking ivd in the subtitles but somebody goes no it's a it's a ied Oh like yeah, mm -hmm. exploding. I'm like, well, I'm just going yeah. based off the subtitles. All right. I don't have access to the scripts, you know, so <laughs> I'm just kind of going off of the subtitles. I'm sorry if they heard V instead of E. So you know, yeah. like, okay. So yeah, so but going close enough. Kind of, I know it's like close enough. You knew where I was going with it, right? Yeah. Anyways, so. But That's yeah, fine. so well, subtitles do help, but sometimes they hurt a little bit. <laughs> that is true. I do. They can be problematic as well. All right. Well, we're getting into a section here with, with some more reveals. Um, yes. And it's kind of a, a long 
series of scenes. So let's just get into it. You think? Yeah, absolutely. So the episode is called Musso and Frank. And we find Bosch and Honey are at Musso and Frank's. And they're talking about the case. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, they're talking. Now when they meet up, they talk about the David Foster case. And they have to talk about any FBI stuff that's going on. But they're specifically talking about the fact that they have no alibi now for Foster. He has no Mm -hmm. alibi. James is dead. They talk about the DNA and how, um, you know, Honey's like, we need to try to put doubt on that. And I would say Harry kind of rolls his eyes on that, you know? Yeah. Like, he's just not convinced, you know, he's not sold that David's innocent, mm-hmm. you know? Because, I mean, that's a, how do you get around that? That's a big one. But he's just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, let's let's do that. He must be framed, you know, almost like he's being um, sarcastic. Um, but they haven't been able to find the intersect between Foster and Lexi Parks as far as they know you know there isn't one and bosch says but we do know he's he's a liar but honey kind of comes to david's defense and saying well it's a secret it's something he didn't want to to let out but you know that's a whole philosophical section because sex or um topic because i mean when you're on when you've been charged with something yeah you may not want to let it out that you you're back on drugs but you know what's what's a bigger issue being embarrassed or you know going to trial for murder so but anyway she kind of tries to come to his defense there and then Mm -hmm. we see a guy at the bar um looking over kind of just keeping an eye on them and it's one of the guys from that little extortion scene that we saw at the end of last episode a younger guy with the curly hair not the guy who lit the match on the door jam (laughs) but that one of those two guys that's who we're talking about and he's just kind of Keep an eye on him. But then he leaves the restaurant, goes out to where there is the other guy, the one that lit Mm -hmm. the match um, on the door jam. And they're talking about, you know, that he saw her in there. You want to talk about the, what happens next with the, the transit or the homeless guy that comes to their window? So they're talking about who Honey was talking about or talking with that Mm -hmm. kind of like a cop. Yeah. Kind of looks like a cop is what they say. So you get this uh, panhandler, transient, homeless guy kind of walking up, asking if they can spare a few bucks so he can get something to eat. And the one guy that's in the passenger seat's like, you know, get the hell away or F off type of thing. Yeah. And the transient's, transient's nice. He's like, okay, God bless you. Walks mm-hmm. away. But then he goes to a uh, store opening, like a door, like a doorway type of thing. Yeah, like the storefront. Yeah. Yeah, storefront. Sorry, storefront opening and uh, looks like he's going to go to go to the bathroom he's starting to publicly urinate yeah publicly urinate there and uh the guy <laughs> in the passenger seat can't take that so oh. he gets out the guy's got something for him i think it was a pistol whip you know because yeah it was and so he pistol whipped the guy oh. and it's like just brutal you it's know? brutal it's like, yes. he kicks him he kicks him again kicks on him. the ground it's awful but my question is, is the guy dead or is he just unconscious? <laughs> I, I wondered that too, Mike. I, I did. They, we don't know. I mean, because yeah, he was beating the heck out of that guy. Mm-hmm. And, this... and we can't tell if he's, if he's even breathing on the ground. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So the guy gets back in the van where the driver, or the guy on the driver's side says, was he's going to have an aneurysm or something like that? If he Right. Yeah. Calm down, or yeah, basically. Like yeah, if you're getting upset about these things constantly and doing this kind of crap, yeah. you're gonna, you know, it's not far from the grave type of thing. Yeah. So, uh, that at that point, I think they see 
or uh, the driver's side guy says, sees Bosch coming it's like, out. Like, that's of the, the guy. Yeah. Yep, that's the, the valet. Guy. Yeah, the guy that just beat the crap out of the transient guy gets out to get a closer look. The Him and Bosch pat, cross paths in the parking lot. They kind of nod to each other. The guy looks back and sees when Bosch lifts his sport coat that he's carrying a gun. Mm-hmm. You see a gun. I can't remember. I thought there was some other kind of thing there that, that could kind of point out that Bosch was or is a cop. So, But the guy keeps walking into the building, calls to his partner saying, you know, he's getting into the blue jeep cherokee what do you i think he called like a shit box or something like that yeah he criticized it for sure yeah the guy in the still in the van is like hey it's a collector's item it's a classic it's vintage you know he's trying to defend it so uh so uh the guy that got out and pointed out the jeep says well if you like it so much won't you follow this guy and find out where he goes Mm -hmm. and he does yeah bosch gets followed all the way up to the all the way up to his house the other guy goes in to keep an eye, keep his eye on Honey Chandler. Um, at one point, Honey Chandler's calling for the check. And so the two guys call each other, talk. You know, it looks like she's getting the check. So come come on down back down to pick me up. The guy that followed Bosch up to his house, check, the, uh, check Bosch's mailbox. That's the other thing, too. You think that if Bosch hasn't been there all day, he'd check the mailbox, bring in the mail. Yeah, I know, yeah. I always know when my mail is delivered. I, I know we have a, a doorbell ring camp type thing, but... Or Nest Cam, but at least huh. you know when I get home, I always check the mailbox, bring in the mail. <laughs> anyway, so the guy raids Bosch's mailbox and he mispronounces Hieronymus. I think he says like, what was it, Hieronymus Her- Harumus or something? He brutally, Harumus, yeah, mispronounces it, like destroys it. Funny how. He- well, I think in the books that's a kind of a run-on gag where nobody can say his yeah. first name. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of funny hearing that. So, so and it was kind of a tense few seconds there. I mean, you see this guy following or not following, uh, goes out front, waits for Honey Chandler to come out front to get the valet to get her car. And then the guy comes around the corner in the van to pick him up. Uh, the, the guy on the sidewalk out front sees that Honey puts her briefcase in the trunk of the car. Yeah. And he goes to the driver's side to go drive away. So they follow her for a few blocks. But then the guy riding the passenger seat calls in saying that there's a woman driving drunk in front of him, gives a description of the vehicle, even at one point says, oh, shit, she almost hit a car. You know, yeah. so they're calling so out dramatic. all the turns. Oh. <laughs> what <laughs> an actor. Driver. You can see the driver in the in the uh, the driver guy saying or kind of the look on his face. He's amused by it. Yeah, you know, he is amused, amused by that. Uh-huh. Amused by this acting of the of the guy in the passenger seat. Yeah. So yeah. So they they uh, so they hear the call go out on the broadcast police scanner channel thing and. All of a sudden, they're putting down the visors, and red and blues are coming from the grill and the visors. And before Honey pulls over officially, she's calling Martin Rose to say that she might need his help. So the big so, reveal here. Yes. These guys are cops. cops. Yes. Oh, and, they're yeah. terrible people, and they're cops. <laughs> yeah. But I can't I can't defend them. <laughs> yeah, no. We've I, I, already seen how evil they are. Yeah. Sure. When a guy lights up a cigarette just by striking the match on the side of a door, it's like, okay, he's a bad guy. <laughs> and a, practically kills a homeless guy for yes. no reason. Kills I mean, him. We don't even know if the guy. Yeah, we dead. don't know, you know. And he didn't even like, yeah, well, I could go on and on about that. Yeah. But um, like, but yeah, they 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 pull her over, and you're right, she calls Martin and 
kind of gives him a heads up, I guess. And she puts her extra mm-hmm. keys in the glove compartment. She locks the car yep. and they tell her that, you know, a citizen called in and reported her for weaving in traffic. You know, how many drinks did she have? A couple. Mm-hmm. She refuses the test and they they call some uniforms, you know, basically to, to pick her up and take her into the station. Yep. They're going to wait for the tow. And she, I mean, she held her ground with them. Oh, yeah. It's impressive, you know. Yes. So it's just like, no, I like, no. <laughs> yeah. I like how Honey kind of, I mean, you know she knows the law. I yeah, mean, right. She's got that confidence knows, behind her. Law. She's got the confidence. You get somebody like me, gets pulled over, you know, field sobriety test. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, whatever. What do you need me to do, you know, yeah, <laughs> to prove that I didn't backwards. do it? Okay, I can't do it when I'm sober, but I'm going to give it a whirl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so the, so they... Nice. So she's got, they're heading, taking her to the station, to the Hollywood station, and they stay behind. And then what is that thing called where you open the window? I'm curious about that too. I don't know what, it, I know it's like a, was like an inflatable. Yeah. Like AAA thing. has them. Yeah. It puts yeah, air I've in there and trucks and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know the name of it. I should have looked up the name of it. I, I didn't know how, I, could, I couldn't think of how to look up the name, the, the thingamajiggy that you use to get your keys yeah, out. Sometimes you know? Google will know what you're talking about. What's the that's slim true. gym, but it's not a slim gym. That's like a ball that you put, you squeeze <laughs> it type of thing. The, inf- the inflatable slim gym, maybe. Yeah. The inflatable um, slim gym. <laughs> so yeah they get her car open without you know having to break mm-hmm. anything and unlock everything and they go in the trunk and they're looking through her files which you know he had seen like you said he'd seen her put in there he sees yep. the name david foster and he says bingo and so we've just learned they're cops but now mm-hmm. we're like why are they interested in this file you know it's just kind of reveal after reveal but each new answer gives new questions <laughs> so yeah. like why are they interested in, in this file but then we do shift over to hollywood station where yes <laughs> um, honey is in holding and i'm sure you would have a lot of fun talking about this so go ahead oh thank you i love this <laughs> so mink is making the rounds in hollywood station and as he's passing the window of the holding cell he has to do a double take and then he comes back well you kind of see honey kind of going like what gives you know yeah throwing up her hands like yeah. you know hello type of thing so she opens the door he opens the door sorry he's and... so confused he's so yeah. confused <laughs> you can see the confusion on his face i mean scott has just just been awesome at bringing mank to life in, in yes. this series i mean every time he's on the screen you pay attention to what he's saying you pay attention to what he's doing i mean that's with any good character in any show mm-hmm. i mean it's all all the characters, a lot of the characters in this show. So man opens the door, asks her what's going on. She's like, I'm asking, I'm wondering the same thing. You know, I was brought in here. She goes, he kind of goes, DWI or DUI, did they take your blood? And she's like, against all of my, what did she say? All against all my, oh, she's. I don't remember the phrase, but. Term, phrase. Not willingly is. Not willing, uh, basically something. not willing, against yeah. her will type of mm-hmm. thing. Yep. Um, so at one point he, she, he asked her if she needs anything and she does, she's not by herself in this holding cell. She has a friend in there that's laying on the bench and sounding like she's about to vomit. Mm-hmm. So honey says that she wants a chocolate croissant, a diet Coke and a barf bag for her friend here. <laughs> so, and so you kind of see Mank kind of inner workings a little bit. It's like, well, give me a few minutes and see what I can do. Actually, 
come out here, you know, sit on the bench, you know, uh, you sure you're not going to try to make a run for it till I get back. I like that line. It's like, you're not going to run away until I get back. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> not on my watch. <laughs> yeah, not on my watch. But then he also, there's another officer in the hallway there. So he goes, does the whole walk through please thing with this. Yeah. Man. And he goes to try to find out what the heck's going on. <laughs> oh, so just funny. You know, it's like it's you get the funny. tense moment the night before and then you get the mank. Oh, and she's up there great. pretty much. It seems like pretty much overnight because Bosch, I guess, picks her up the next day. Yeah. But, but, but even before that, before that, he has to, yeah, because he, uh, right. How long is she there? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. She doesn't have her car because he ends up taking her to get her tow. But before he does that, he meets up with Martin and they, he finally gets his face to face with David Foster. And he basically says up front, if you lie to me and I'm done, I'm out of here, you know, because he continues to say, you know, was doing drugs with, you know, so and so. And he, and he learns just then from Bosch that Alan is dead. Um, yep. he, you know, he is not aware and he sticks with that story and how does Bosch, he doesn't know that's a lie, but what makes, I'm just asking you, how mm. does he, why does he get up? I guess just because of, probably because he's been in this situation many times. So he knows when the guy is not being on, completely honest, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess we can just say. I was rewatching that today and it's like, he was kind of packing up everything before David Foster even really said much. Yeah, basically, Bosch goes and talks to him. He says, if you lie to me, I'm out of here. And he, but David still sticks with the the same story. And I guess Bosch has just this gut that there's got to be something more to mm-hmm. the story. He's not getting any new information. So he he walks up like he's going to leave. And Foster says, wait. And that's when he tells him that it, it, he wasn't just, James Allen wasn't just his dealer, um, that um, they were in a relationship, like for the last six months. Mm-hmm. So it's... It, it's interesting that when the look on David's face, when he hears that James Allen is dead and you kind of know something there when he's like, he almost seems really stunned or I don't even know if you can say he seemed hurt, but something about his reaction, it, it wasn't like, I don't know. I don't do drugs. I don't have a dealer, but if you found out your dealer had died, would you have the same reaction that he did? That was almost a little bit of a tell. I think. I think so. Definitely a tell. But, but anyways, I, I yeah, just, if it's just a drug dealer, you'd be like, oh, shit, you know, I mean, oh, I got to get a new that. one or something. Yeah. I got to get a new freaking drug dealer now. <laughs> but there was just a little something more going on in his mind, it seemed like through his face. But anyways, he does come clean and tell him that, that he was in a relationship. Um, yes. So we get that reveal, which, you know, obviously lends some more um, believability to the to the possibility of his dna you know the 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 fact that dna ended up on lexi parks you know there's there's opportunity for some type of you know transfer there so um so later what go ahead hold on just quick time out there um you don't have to go back and say this people can watch rewatch the episode Uh i was the reason why uh bosh went to get up and leave is because foster tells them he's told them everything and okay. Bosch, I think, knows instinctively. Yeah, you know, f this, and starts mm-hmm. backing up. We don't have to. You don't have to go back. I just figured I'd throw that out there. Yeah, I put it in my notes, but I've forgotten about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of what we concluded. Yeah, is that he had a gun yep. that you know he wasn't given any new information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anything else that we need to say about that interview, though? Before, yeah, I think that's about it. Okay. Uh, Foster comes clean finally. <laughs> yeah, finally. So, so yeah, and... I think we can move on to the next. 
Next then, scene with Bosch and Honey. Right? Yeah, Bosch and Honey. He 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 takes mm. her to get her car, and there's some more mysterious going ons there. But on the way, he tells her a, about that Alan was with that David Foster was with James Allen and at, at Allen's motel room the night that Lexi Parks died. Mm. Um, so they they do have that information now. And, and it wasn't just a one night stand; it was, it was an ongoing yeah relationship. Right. They arrive to, to pick up her car and it's unlocked. And she questions that because we saw her lock her extra keys in the car and take the other keys, you know, with her in her yep. bag. So how did that happen? And so she immediately looks, she's worried about her stuff, you know, her items, if her car has mm-hmm. been, you know, unlocked somehow. And she looks and it appears that the foster file location is different. Like it was in the back instead of the front or something like that. And then I guess Bosch is kind of joking around. He's like, maybe you did have too much to drink or something because she can't remember where the file was. But yeah, and she's also they talk on the way there, you know, this unwarranted arrest and um, that he she tells him that they're two plainclothes officers. And so he's going to try to work on finding out who these guys Mm -hmm. are. You know, um, I don't know if you're going to say this, but try to stay focused on David Foster, too. So that Bosch is. Well, Bosch said that Bosch says they need to stay focused on David Foster. As opposed to just. Well, Bosch blames the alcohol to which she tells him F you. Mm-hmm. And that he knew she locked her car with a spare key. And then Bosch says they need to stay focused on David Foster. Oh, so like not get so to... caught up. Yeah, he's trying. Yeah, she's, she's trying she's... to not get caught up with those officers as of yet. Right. He's like, OK, yeah, I got you. Keep the focus on on David. So, so yeah, there's some, some other, again, some reveals, but then some more questions too. Like, um, Mm -hmm. she's trying to figure out how her car got unlocked, why the file was moved, what's going on, who are these guys? So there's some more questions that they're going to try to uncover. Um, I think pretty much the only other things in this episode, which I think that was like the, kind of the, the biggest, um, section there, but, um, the FBI is still doing their thing in the background. They're looking at if they have enough for a, a search warrant or not. They're talking about the different um, evidence that they do have. They have the schematic and they have their location at the port, but they don't have proof that that Bosch, you know, hard proof that Bosch did the the pipeline thing. Um, so they're they're still trying to hammer away at that for their case. But um, one of the last scenes towards the end is they are looking at some footage at simon wakefield's house and they do they put the pieces together they see honey leaving the house and they know by time of death that's that simon wakefield was dead before she even arrived and so they're like she didn't report it because there's no evidence of her reporting it um they found her fingerprints on the pool skimmer like little net thing so they believe that she fished out the phone because the phone was never found so they're assuming that she that phone they also have the footage of lev ivanovich the the like the heavy of the two brothers leaving that house before she was there and before the time of death so you know they're putting those pieces together so you know all all the while they're just building their case so you know you kind of feel the sense of them closing in on them i think you know it kind of makes us nervous that they're they're finding out more details we have a little bit more with maddie and rico um, she's got this kind of non-committal thing going with them you know they both agree that they're not people at the station that they're dating yeah. although 
Vasquez knows and they're both okay with that. But then he's kind of like, you know, I don't blame the guy. He's like, but we are living together. So why wouldn't we tell people, you know, and she's like, oh, but just for now until I get my own place. So you kind of, I don't know, you kind of try to put yourself in his position. I, I can see the confusion, you know. But yet she's not just a pit stop. So. This is a pit stop. Yeah. <laughs> How romantic. How romantic. Exactly. It's a pit stop. So or a Rico uh, stop, however you want to say it. But a Rico stop. <laughs> yeah. So that's I think that's about it. But yeah, some I do want to say one thing too though. Sure. So about the feds finding yeah. those fingerprints of honeys. Yeah. So last year, if you if our listeners go back to episode or season one, episode six our breakdown podcast with you and me and Valerie. Uh-huh. I had, I had mentioned that I was afraid that Honey Chandler was leaving fingerprints all over the place. She was at the she was right. at the shipping container. I I think I even mentioned the pool skimmer yeah. at the house, you know. Oh yeah. So I, I was afraid that these fingerprints are going to come back to haunt her and the FBI saying in this episode yep. that yep they had fingerprints of Honey Chandler's on the pool skimmer. So I'm like it yes. is it is my coming back to haunt her. My, my worry, my worry for right. Honey, you know, being right. the defense lawyer, but yet doing all these things where she's leaving her yeah. footprints, not li- literally, but fingerprints, but footprints. Breadcrumbs, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Exactly. It is, so. <laughs> it is interesting because we're all the time, a lot of times in the podcast, it comes up, we're like, well, what if this comes back on them? You know, we're always worrying mm-hmm. about stuff like that. Yes. And here you go. There's one that d- does come back on her. So this is about the time that we look at if there's any other questions that we want to ask each other um, that we haven't already discussed in the podcast. I had one for you. Um, What did you think was the the bigger reveal in uh, of these two choices? Do you think the bigger reveal was that when they we learn that David was in a relationship with James Allen or the reveal that these two extortionists bad guys are actually cops? Which one do you think was the bigger reveal for you watching? I think it had to been the cops. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we don't see much of David Foster in these first, in these two episodes, I should say, mm-hmm. episodes three and four. I think we see more of these cops. They're following Honey. They're following Bosch. So, or not cops. I mean, we see these guys following. These guys, yeah. yeah. We sit, so we didn't know who they were until now. So it's like we see them extorting, we see them following Honey and Bosch and calling beating them up false, people, beating up people. So I think that was the bigger reveal of this okay. episode. Than, that makes sense. I agree. I think it it felt bigger to me too. You're right because we don't know David that well or have enough reason to to think maybe that. I mean, Bosch thought he was holding back on something. Yeah, but I didn't have that kind of instinct, you know. So yeah, I'm just curious what you thought about that. Did you have any for me? Yeah, I was curious. I had written down here. It's like, uh, why do you think Maddie hesitated when being offered the spot on CRU that she wanted to, uh, didn't she say she wanted to sleep on it? I had a couple ideas, but. uh, Yeah, Um, I guess my answer to that would be, it just kind of feels like something you would do for a job or a new job or a new offer. It it just kind of seems like the standard thing you do. Well, let me sleep on it. Let me think on it. You know, can I get back to you tomorrow? It just almost seems like protocol, you know? So I think it was almost just like a motor response. You know, I don't know that she really felt like she needed to, maybe she did want to go ahead and just say yes, but maybe it just seemed like, well, that's what I should say. That's the only Mm -hmm. thing I can come up with. I had, I had two things on this. I, I, I kind of see it your way a little bit. So maybe that's a third option. 
but mine it was either that she was worried about what Bosch would say. Okay. And mm -hmm. maybe she and maybe it's still that residual from the kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's could be. No, those mm -hmm. are the those were my two ideas that I had out there is that she was afraid to tell Harry or you know, chomping at the bit to move up when she's still kind of dealing with this, mm -hmm. all this stuff that has happened to her four months before. So, mm -hmm. okay. No, that, that's, I think that's a reasonable thought too. The other question I had, I think we kind of discussed this a little bit. Do you think it was fair of Pierce and Vega to kind of be pissed off a bit at Bosch? Do you think it was fair or not? Um, it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, you know, because we like Bosch, you yes. know, and I was like, come on, give him a break, you know. Mm -hmm. but is it fair yes they know him they know him well they know his mm -hmm. history so they they have reason to to be frustrated and it, it's kind of interfering you know with their case he's a private investigator yep. he's he just they don't owe him anything but they are decent people so you know they're trying to help but he doesn't always make it easy on people to help him true. you know true <laughs> so that, that's that's kind of where i am with that i guess all righty. So now we move on to the person of interest, right? Yes. Who's our person of interest? It doesn't have to be a person that we like or that we think did good. It could just, who do you want to highlight in this episode? Are you willing to go first? I'll go first. Okay. I have a few options here. So I'm hoping I don't, I don't take yours. That's okay. So instead of people, can we do a place? Yeah, you can switch it up. Sure. Awesome. I want to highlight Musso and Frank's restaurant being back in the series. Yeah. I love it. It was a it was a good scene. You see the two guys, you know, surveilling honey mm -hmm. and, and Bosch. But it was just wonderful to see the environment around, you know, back in Musso and Frank's. Well, you you know, it was kind of the perfect place to do it because it's over a hundred years old now. So it's mm -hmm. got this old Hollywood history. And you think about old Hollywood and sort of like LA confidential and stuff, yes. you know, and, and dirty cops and stuff. So it turns out that it's kind of like just very fitting, I think. Yes. You know, and you've got all kinds of people uh, that come in there. You got all kinds of people that come in there, you know, apparently actors come in there and just mm -hmm. everybody goes there. So it's just yeah, I don't know. I think it's a good a good choice. Go ahead. No, the uh, the thing that I, I mean, that, the other thing I like is how, how they were doing the exterior scenes of Musso and Frank's as well. Yeah, it wasn't just yeah. inside. It wasn't just inside. You yeah. know, they go they're walking through the parking lot. You see them out front. You know, they're on Hollywood Boulevard. Mm -hmm. So it's it brought me back because my kids and I went out there last October. So it really just brought me back to mm -hmm. to visiting and walking around Hollywood Boulevard with my kids. Yeah, we uh, we actually parked in a parking ramp that was not far from where this homeless transient person was beating mm -hmm. the crap out of. Obviously, not filming at the time, but. Yeah. But we parked in a parking ramp not far from there because I don't know how much valet is. So when I heard that the price, I think when you see the detector, the guy, the cop that we find out later, Ellis is walking past Bosch or when Bosch is walking up to the stand, you hear, I think the valet attendant saying $10. I'm like, well, that's pretty affordable, but is that the actual price? Yeah. <laughs> is that the right valet one? parking there? So, okay. so who's your uh, person of interest? I'm going to go with, we still don't know names, so, um, but I'm going to go with the, we're going to call him a dirty cop because they're obviously dirty and they're cops and the the one that lit the match, the one that beat up the homeless guy. Because I think if we wanted to, 
if they want us to have a feeling about this guy, they really push the envelope. I mean, yes. we really hate him. We really hate him now. You know, yes. more, you know, we, we didn't the first time, you know, he was, he didn't impress me. He was intimidating, whatever, extorting this person. But then I hate him even more in this episode. I hate the way he treated honey. I, I guess my person of interest, because there's something more going on here, you know, mm-hmm. And he just, he made a really big impression on the episode. It was not a good one. It was a very bad one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I just, how can you not come away talking about that guy? So. Oh, absolutely. And and, and so we I need to got, learn more. I just got one other person. I, I like seeing Edgewood back in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been far too long since we've seen him. In fact, I think we only saw a glimpse, glimpse of him in season seven, episode one. Mm-hmm. Because I think he was working undercover at that point. So it's been a long, you know, what, two or three years since we've seen Edgewood. Yeah, that was nice. So I did. Talk, I reached out to Sokway talking to him about this episode because he was the writer of the episode. So when I talked to Sokway, he said that I was commenting on how uh, an actor did a really good job. Mm-hmm. He said that he did a really good job, but they, you know, getting also uh, Max Martini and the guy that played the, the other dirty cop. And then uh, he says, bringing back Edgewood, he really pushed heavily for that. Okay. You know, having, having him back was fun because they said that, he said the producers didn't know if Deji would be able to come around to do the filming mm-hmm. because he has the show on Bounce called Johnson, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, but they, uh, but they hang out quite frequently. So Deji was, uh, was free and he knew he knew he was free so they were able to get him back for this nice nice for this episode so that was kind of a cool little tidbit all right so we have some feedback for episodes three and four is that correct mike or one through four kind of all okay anywhere up to four okay so yeah we're going to share our feedback anything else we have that we haven't shared up through episode four and mike is our tip line guy. So what do we yeah. have? Well, we got quite a few feedbacks from Bosch Pitt and the chat. I also got a, a message from Asokwe Vasquez. That was kind of fun to kind of get some inside knowledge on on the on the episode because he was the writer for the episode. So I'm going to start off. We had a, a conversation back and forth with a few different people on Bosch Pitt. Mindy D said that she's loving Maddie again last season. She just couldn't see her as a cursing cop. But now she's back to herself, if you ask me. Uh, hmm. Ruby G responded to that comment by saying, I'm loving her this season. And I agree with you, Mindy. She definitely is back to herself. And Paul M. also commented on that thread saying she got a little taste of cursing cop. After that arrest, she has changed somewhat since her abduction. So so some nice little not, not, not inside knowledge, but uh, knowledge from fellow fans of the show. Mm-hmm. always great to hear okay so we had a one person saying that uh, that they have a little uh, babs t commented that i have a little trouble with the transition from the intensity of the first two episodes to the low-key mood in three i imagine it will ramp up again we're kind of thinking the same thing we're you know first two episodes obviously you got to hit the ground running with that storyline but mm-hmm. close that one up and get two of the you know the crossing ones. Let's see here. We have um, we have a, a person comment. Clark D said, how come the two dirty cops don't know who Harry is? And they complain that he's working the dark side when they're up to the next. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good point. 
So a little funny one there. Um, we had a, let's see here. Got uh, Irma V commented, I'm a fan from the start. Episodes three and four were tense. Excellent cast and enjoyed seeing a favorite, Max Martini. He was a mild-mannered chauffeur in Fifty Shades of Grey, but what now? Wow. Looking forward to all episodes of Bosch Legacy. Let's see here. Carol M. commented, we have, a fo- we have followed this series from the jump. Fabulous. Keep it going. And one of my personal favorites here is the uh, uh, Joan M. commented, loved it. I've, been, I've even gotten my hubby watching Bosch, although he won't ever read the books because he's more into reading nonfiction than fiction. He does mm-hmm. like him watching crime slash detective films. So okay. Good. great to hear that. And then we had Nick W. said, Bosch doesn't seem to be featured much. And when he does, he seems bored. I think I think he's just kind of, you know, investigating, being a PI. But everybody's entitled to their opinions. Uh, Anna A. said, love the book and the show is amazing. Candace B. says, Maddie is getting good. So... Yeah, so some good comments out there. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. to kind of bookend that all, I uh, reached out to Sokwe to see if he had anything else to say about the episode he had written. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he commented that he was very happy to have Pierce and Vega back in this episode, as well as doing the Musso and Freak sequence. He said that him and his wife actually went there for dinner one night to scout the place out because he had mm. never been there before. Oh, okay. I found that very weird, you know. <laughs> So he said he'd never been there before. And I'm like, I even wrote back, really? You'd never been there? I mean, I, I don't know how many years he's lived in LAO too. So, yeah. But then, uh, but then he said that he uh, walked through some of the moves. So he knew exactly how to write, write the sequencing out for the Musso and Frank scenes. Cool. So it was great to hear back, hear back from Ahsoka. I've reached out to him quite a few times just to ask various questions from time to time, just to, because I always like the behind-the-scenes little tidbits of the mm-hmm. show. So sure. thank you, everybody, for for your comments on the Bosch Pit and the chat rooms or emails or Messenger. I mean, I love hearing how everybody feels about the episodes and yeah, and what's been keeping them coming and back, coming back to the episode or coming back to watch more. Obviously, coming back for more. Yes, exactly. Always good to hear people's thoughts on everything so thank you everybody no, no. Appreciate it. thank you and, yeah. keep it coming keep it coming bosh at so many shows.com and all the various platforms we have out there twitter facebook everything so <laughs> wherever you can find us exactly we're everywhere <laughs> <laughs> good deal all, all right. right well now it's our it's our off-duty time which means off-duty time. we get to do something fun like trivia maybe maybe okay so how many questions do you want tonight or do you have any for me i don't have any so i'm in the hot seat so i could i could take as many as three i don't think i could get embarrassed more than three times that would be too much so okay so let's see how you do here well i already announced earlier in the the episode you had the Mm -hmm. answer for the gold diggers already so (laughs) so let me do a location one i know you love locations okay so, which part of L.A. did James Allen work out of the motel he was staying at? Oh, they said this. Santa Monica? There you go. Santa Monica. Nice. All right, one for one. Let's see how you do with this one. I loved the scenes in Musso and Frank. 
So when we see the second bad cop approaching the bar to keep his eyes on Lee Candler, what's the order for a drink? Scotch neat. Very good. I did write that one down. Nice. I thought I could sneak that one past you, but that was great. Good job. So let me go. Let's see if we go go for the three-peat here. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So when Matthew gets the invitation sent to his phone, it was being sent by Mo to access and hack his phone. So it was supposed to be a surprise party for Martin Rose. Yeah. Where was the party going to be held at? I don't know. I was hoping you were just going to ask me who the party was for. (laughs) And it was Martin. (laughs) I don't know. Should I know? Is this someplace I would have heard of? Most likely. Yeah, I don't know. What is it? It was at Honey Chandler's residence. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, I would. I've heard of that before. I've seen that before. You've heard of it. You've seen it plenty of times. So I'm glad I was able to sneak one past you at least here. There you go. No, no, I love how you got the the first scotch neat one on you, but you got that one. So. Great job. Two out of three. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. I've I've done worse in some of your games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I need to do another game soon. I've been, haven't really had time to make one, but I think we need to do a game soon. Well, you've been super busy with everything going on. Well, aren't we all, but yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, Um, we have some great intel. We've got some great scoop coming up from Tom Bernardo about episode four. So definitely stay tuned for that. It's just so great getting that, those stories firsthand from someone who was right there. I just, I really enjoy um, hearing from him. So stay tuned for that. I I love the insights that we got from, from the interview. It was, it's amazing. It's so great to hear all the things that go on into a scene and everything. It's nice. It kind of takes you inside. Like you, you feel like you're there for a moment, seeing how it all went down. So it's great. But I think that's it for us tonight. We'll be back to talk about episode five. Enjoy going through this episode with you. And uh, we'll be back for more. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Episode four, Musso and Frank. We see Maddie kind of being evasive with Harry. She's not telling him about CRU or or the uh, solving the bracelet crime. We're just trying to figure out, is uh, is it more of a function of Maddie's age, or could this be a sign of a fracture in the relationship? Good question, Mike. I think where we had the character at the time was she knows her father is very concerned. He may be playing it sto- stoically, but she knows her father very well, mm-hmm. and I think she doesn't want to give him anything to worry about. If he feels like she's gone back to work, who knows if it's been too soon, but I think if he feels... She's behind a desk. She's taking it day by day. She'll be okay. But she's itching to get back out there. I think because that sense of being on the street gives her a purpose and and an organizing principle. And Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes when we're heavily affected by something, purpose in a job can be medicine. It can also be avoidance, right? So you Mm -hmm. you have to be mindful of that. But I don't think she wanted her dad knowing Hey, I might. I just got asked on the crew because I had this little jewelry sort of report that came in, and I took and ran with it. And I, once again, I was energized by being a cop again, not just doing paperwork. Mm-hmm. And my work was so was was sort of caught the attention of crew, and I got invited on. Now, if he she told him all that, he's like, oh gosh, I already, <laughs> like, 
you're not living under my roof now anymore. And I want you here because I want you safe. And you're always open to, you know, the door is always open to you. Now I have to worry about you being back on the street. It's only been four months and I have not as a father been able to process this horrible feeling of, I almost lost you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So they're both sort of processing this, this event. And we, we always try. I mean, it's very important to me as a storyteller is like, what are the consequences? Right. I don't want something to happen. And then everyone just pretends like it never happened in the world of the story. Now we, there's certain places, certain you know shows that will, that work that way. And that's mm-hmm. great. I mean, that's their show. Our mm-hmm. show want to explore. We want to have the mystery element. We have plot and, you know, the puzzle of have people invested in solving things and that's fun. But then there's the puzzle that goes on in our hearts <laughs> and in our mm-hmm. inside and that's not always easy to solve. And it's yeah. fun. You can explore different dimensions when things happen and say, what are the consequences? Where is her okay. at? Where is her head at? What does she want? What is she going in pursuit of? Where is Bosch? How is he feeling? So we, we try to be mindful of that stuff. Yeah, all that makes a lot of sense because I see now how it's more can be somewhat in protection of her dad rather than just, you know, for her reason, it was more to benefit him. That's right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Well, Mike and I both um, read the crossing, so we know this, you know, all along, but you, you start to really see in episode four that Ellis is just terrible. Like the, the scene where he beats up the homeless man is very disturbing. So some of the words that come to mind for me, like, how would you describe this guy? Void of humanity, full of rage. How did you guys, because you don't have to map him exactly like the book in the, in the show, how was he described um, like on the page or in the breaking the story? And then do you have any thoughts on how he became this person? Uh, As to the first part, I think we thought sociopath. This is so void Mm -hmm. of, a conscience. Okay. Yeah. That's um, a good one. <laughs> which is interesting given his line of work as a vice detective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we set out to introduce, I'm trying to remember the book, which is a terrific book, but you're introduced to these two characters. You don't learn that they're Ellison Long until a little bit into the book. And then you don't right. learn that they're actual cops so we had to find a way to dramatize what was our version of that, which is mm-hmm. well, we introduced them in episode three. Who are these two bad guys? Mm-hmm. And, you know, why are they compromising this guy? And do they have some arrangement with this Ashley girl? Right. Like, what, we wanted to create the question, you know, yeah. and, and w- w- have people going into the next episode wondering who are they? What are they about? How are they going to factor into our story? Mm-hmm. And and then I was very excited and and our director Tanya just she did such an exceptional job in the whole Musso and Frank sequence the feel of that as yeah. they put in there again you don't as an audience member you don't know who these people are so you're wondering why are they on to Chandler yeah. and are they in danger we know that there's something menacing about them so what's happening now one guy's following Bosch up to his house. The other person is sort of has eyes on Chandler and then now they're following her and oh my gosh, they're cops. So we wanted to withhold each of those things and create tension so that when it hit that they're cops, you're like, what is going on? They, they orchestrate this arrest, have her taken off and then gain access to her car. And then the, the, the file that they pull is the foster file. So immediately you're like, what does this have to do with this case she just got? 
And that's the mystery that obviously will unspool throughout the course of the, the season. The casting of that was absolutely crucial. So hats off to Vicki Thomas, our casting director, mm-hmm. for bringing us Max Martini, who he has to show up and kind of immediately convey this physically, mm-hmm. sort of constitutionally. You mm-hmm. have to be able to buy in in a very economic way. Right. And he brings that the moment that door opens in episode three and you see him and we wanted that sort of old yeah. moment where he, <laughs> and that's an effect because a, a regular match won't do that. But so we had to kind of find the, the right sort of effect for that and, and have him light that cigarette. It just felt like a great noir moment, but Max Martin yeah. and Guy Wilson who plays long, they just had a group a, a perfect dynamic and they were, they started yeah. to actually act like each other. Like guy was <laughs> taking it very seriously. Like they were sort of this team of Ellis and long, as far as the question of how he got that way, I, I don't know. We didn't okay. sort of talk. I don't think we need to know. That. I was just curious yeah. if you, in your mind. Yeah. Well, it's a good, it's a good question. And it's one that we like to address. And this is something I learned from Eric Overmeyer, which is he doesn't like to load up, characters with a lot of backstory in terms of you if that helps you write it and understand uh-huh. it or an actor that's fine right. but what he is he is of the school of thought and this is what great dramatists do is you learn a character by what they do yeah. <laughs> through their action what they say yep. what they say what they do what they don't do that tells you who they are okay. you know yeah people Makes- like an actor wants to go back and figure out like what happened to this person when they were 17 and that helps them inform their performance. That's great. But as a dramatist, it's what is on the page and that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. We have, we have to get to this next one, Mike, we have to make sure we include it. So we were trying to gauge whether we could go on to the next section or not, but um, yeah, we need to ask this. One. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking <laughs> of style, like you said a minute ago when honey got arrested, the scene where honey is in lockup included some great comedy during a serious situation. Was there a specific intention to break up some of the dark material with some humor mixed in there? Oh, of course. We try to do that because um, the show can sometimes go to these these darker places and you want to balance it when you when you find the spots. You don't want to force them when you find the spots and and having her detained and having Mank go by just felt like, okay, this is too good to be true. It was perfect. <laughs> and and they have a little he knows who she is, of course. Yeah. A bit of a history. So uh it was fun to to play that. And and you know, Mimi and Scott were having fun with it. And, oh, and so just as he's walking down the hall. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Mike. Mm-hmm. Just as he's walking down the hall and, and you're like, he's gonna see her. He's gonna you're just waiting for it because you know yeah. you know it's just gonna be oh, so good. good. And then that double good. take. And then the writing, that's a a so place. Uh, episode right her line yeah. about the things she wanted he just said what do you want and what was it like a diet coke i think chocolate something in the barf time. bag in the yeah. barf bag for her friend yeah <laughs> she played that so well that was awesome 